Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Folks, we're doing something pretty cool today. It is a hybrid collaboration. We're going to mishmash it up. Basically, my guest Andy Storch and I, we're going to interview each other. It's going to be a collab effort. So Andy Storch, my guest, he is the host of a bunch of cool stuff, the Andy Storch Show, but we'll get to that in a second. But he is a talent development consultant, a coach, a speaker, and a connector. And I think that's why we're connected because we're mutual connectors. And he's mm-hmm. a host of two podcasts, including the Talent Development Hot Seat and the Andy Storch Show featuring Andy Storch, as well as the founder of the Talent Development Think Tank Conference and Community. And I definitely want to talk about that a little bit. So I want to talk about how he pivoted uh, during a natural disaster, how he kind of rebounded from that, refocused. Really cool story, and I applaud him for that. And we're going to talk about how we met and a really interesting experience that we had together around the great, well, great to some. Some people don't know who the hell he is, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, that we learned about uh, for sure. But most importantly, Andy is a husband, a father, and who's on a mission to get the absolute most out of life and inspire others to do the same. Andy Storch, welcome to the podcast. Adam Posner, this is so exciting, man. This has been a long time coming. Uh, you and I have so much in common, and yet we know a lot of different people. We do some different things, and uh, I think we both bring a lot of energy, a lot of passion for networking and connecting. Yes. And when we did meet, and I do think we should get to that story, uh, it was kind of like worlds colliding, like, oh, we are definitely meant to be friends. It was and- a perfect storm. It was so freaking cool. Exactly. And brought together by Gary V. We can talk about that. Yeah, let's so let's let's get into that and a little let's get into that uh, for sure. So let, let's give a little bit of background here. So let's take it back to uh, I think it was September 26, Dallas, Texas. And th- we're not talking about the Kennedy assassination here. You know, it sounds like that. I'm going dark. <laughs> I was down the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I took photos literally in the street. It was crazy. Do you know they have an X in the street where Kennedy got shot? I didn't, you know, I've been to Dallas many times. I always meant to go over there to the, what is it? The public school building. And I yeah, never the library. Have. Yeah. The so library. Yeah. I never have. I, I took a walk there the first morning. I'll send you that picture afterwards. It's really freaky. So you could actually stand. I mean, it's a live street. So I waited till the light turned and I stood in the right. street and you could look up to the book depository and yeah. you could actually see, you know, Oswald had a pretty clear shot, man. It's a hard shot, but yeah. um, I mean, it's crazy. That's, that's history right Question there. Is, so was there, was there another shooter? Have you seen the Irishman? No, I haven't. I've heard about it. So let's regroup after that and get some thoughts on uh, okay. maybe some ulterior motives why Kennedy might have gotten killed. But we're, we're digressing here. We are so really digressing. We went off the path there. So it's Friday. Listen, man, it's Friday. It's been yeah. a long week after, after holidays here. Um, so Andy and I were both at LinkedIn's big annual shebang bang in Dallas, Texas called Talent Connect. Um, I know of, of Andy. Andy know, has known of me. We've been connected on LinkedIn. I think we even had a couple of uh, messaging chats, but we really never like we never no, really never got talked down. live, never really hung out or anything like that. No, nothing. And it's funny. So during, during the conference the day before uh, the Gary, the Gary V incident, that's not an incident. It's a happening. It's not an incident. Um, <laughs> I saw Andy walking around. I saw him talking to some other people. I recognized him, but I, I didn't go up to him because he was busy and I don't really like to play interrupter. Um, Were you intimidated? Were you intimidated? No, 
no, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't get intimidated by, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker, man. It takes a lot. But um, yeah. I saw him doing his thing and I kind of saw him walking around. And finally we chatted before the Gary V thing. I went up to him and we're mm -hmm. like, hey, you're Andy. He's like, you're Adam. I know, He's like, I know you. I'm like, I know you, bro. And yep. we kind of just uh, broke it out for a little bit um, and got to know each other. So we're at Dallas at LinkedIn Talent Connect. And I'm going to tell my side of the story to a point, and then I want Andy to chime in so we have a linear timeline of this. So um, yep. Gary Vee was one of the keynote speakers. Everyone knows my story with Gary Vee. I was like open Vayner Media. Gary gave me the most important words of wisdom and my advice, yada, yada. Now I'm a recruiter. Now I'm doing great. And I have a podcast, blah, blah, blah. But so I'm at LinkedIn Connect. And I see Gary Vee is speaking a little bit later in the day. I'm like, cool. I'm going to go to my sessions. And I'm in a session about an hour and a half before Gary's keynote speech. And it was a great session, Don Burke, it was awesome. And I'm looking down at my phone and I see Gary is broadcasting live on LinkedIn Live. And it's literally across the hall from me. So I'm like, you know what? It doesn't look like anybody's around him. I wanted to catch up with him. So I make my way over there. Now, what was Andy doing at the same time? Well, it's, it's similar, you know, and, and just to back up, you know, I, we'll get into more about yep. what we do and everything, but I, I run my own business in talent development and um, this, conference came on my radar pretty late um, because I heard that Josh Burson was going to be speaking there. And, and Josh is, uh, for those that don't know, he's probably the biggest name in HR, uh, in the HR world. Uh, he's got nearly 800,000 followers on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. a bunch on Twitter. Um, and he's just a cerebral, he's not like a Gary Vee, he's not dynamic. He's just like this researcher that everybody follows and he knows the latest trends. So, um, and he's speaking at my conference coming up. And I knew he was speaking there. So I was like, I need to go there and meet him in person and, you know, maybe meet some prospects. So I, I dropped, I, I think it was like $2,500 or something for the like last minute ticket to this LinkedIn. Yeah, we'll talk about that price point a little bit too, but. Yeah, we can. And, uh, yeah, but one of the things that was exciting to me was Gary Vee was going to be speaking. And I'm a huge fan of Gary Vee. And I knew I wouldn't, you know, it's not like he's going to be hanging out. But even if I could see him speaking, maybe, maybe there's a chance I might get to meet the guy shake his hand or take a selfie with him that would be amazing could be worth you know the, the trip right so i'm not optimistic about that i'm excited about going trying to get in the front row when he speaks later that afternoon right. and like you i'm sitting in a session um the one i was in was uh being uh, was jp elliott and his colleague from dick sporting goods they yep. were talking about and we'll talk about the, jp afterwards too let's put a bookmark in jp elliott okay cool i just met with him this week um but he, they were talking about kind of the brand they've been building uh for those of you interested in there's the picture of us. He's showing me on his phone right now. We'll get to that. Um, Dick Sporting Goods kind of started this hashtag campaign, campaign, and they were talking about. It. I was sitting in the front row, trying to be a good friend, taking some pictures of him, right, and texting it to him. And then I also, like you, I looked at my phone, I pulled up LinkedIn, and I see that Gary Vee is live on LinkedIn, which I've never seen before. No, I, I think it was his first. Maybe the background looks like it could be inside the Dallas Convention Center. Right, like you, you knew exactly where it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, he is here somewhere. And if I don't take advantage of this moment, I'll regret it forever. Cause my own could be my only chance to meet him. So That's I exactly what I thought. ran out of the room. So we roll up over there and literally there was maybe like four or five people chatting with him and, and, most. and, D, and, him and D rock and then like two other people. And then you and you and I rolled up right at the same time. And I'm like, cool. We're, we're, we're both on the same wavelength of like, we know what the hell's up. And most importantly, what I like about our wavelength here is that we're opportunists in the most best way possible. We yes. know when to strike. Like we both could have sat back and be like, eh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go bother Gary, whatever. Listen, yep. man, like that's 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 what we do, man. So I, I want to comment on that because I think 
I think in that moment, and maybe I'm blow, I'm, I'm exaggerating, you know, on this, but I think that right there is a metaphor for the way to approach life, especially as an entrepreneur, if you're trying to do big things and something that you and I both believe in and how I've changed a lot of my own life. I used to sit back and be scared and not take advantage of opportunities. But in that moment, I just went and so did you. Right. And that night we were at the party, the big, big party. And I talked to multiple people who said, oh yeah, I saw he was live. I thought about it, but you know, I didn't know where I'd find him. I didn't want to leave the session. I thought people would look at me, you know, and they didn't do it, right? And we did. So t- tell us about your uh, interaction with Gary. First time talking to the man face to face. How'd that go? Well, it was, you know, it was, it was minimal. In fact, you know, I, I look back, I've thought about this, but I mean, I went right up to him and I shook his hand. I gave him a hug. It felt a little awkward, but I just, I'm a <laughs> hugger. I'm a, I'm a loving guy. I'm a hugger. Yeah. He's done so much for me. Um, I wanted to give him that hug and I just told him, you know, Hey, I'm, here's what I'm doing. I run a couple of podcasts, you know, conference, whatever. I've learned so much from you. I really appreciate everything you do. And that was kind of it. And I realized afterwards that because I wanted to be respectful of his time and like if there were other people waiting, yeah. but I got to realize afterwards, like he really didn't have much going on and there really wasn't anybody waiting. Dude, he, he wasn't doing anything. He was exactly. literally <laughs> like, I definitely could have talked to him more. I could have asked him yeah. a question. He would have been cool with it. He would be cool. I didn't, yeah. I didn't take full advantage of that moment. But no. It was still it, great. And I, but I got a picture with him, which I posted on, you know, Instagram and Facebook. And it, it, I think in, you know, I don't have a huge following on Instagram, but I, I post on there regularly. It, it's probably my most liked yeah. image on Instagram. Did Gary, did Gary like it? Did he, did he, did he like I it? I don't think he did. No, I tagged him. I don't, I don't think he understood. It's funny that. because, because I, I was part of Vayner a long time ago. I'm, I'm weirdly in the Gary V and he told me this at another point. I'm in his feeds. I'm yeah. literally, he, he commented when my, my son was born, he comment like he's in my feed and he capped out on LinkedIn because I connected with him, you know, six, seven years ago when I was interviewing a banner. Sure. Like I'm in that 30,000 person ethos. And because I post so much and a lot more than his other people, he's told me, he's like, you are always in my feed. Nice. I'm like, <laughs> success, yeah. right? Like, right. Right. <laughs> like good stuff there. Um, and then after Andy went up, I mean, I've shared my story enough and I'll share the clip and all, but you know, the, the, my whole Gary V thing there. Yep, um, so the, the, the piece that I always like to talk about afterwards, Gary walks away and Andy was like, holy shit, did that, did that just happen? Did you just like really bro out and told him everything? And like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, it was, it was incredible. I mean, it was really like, and I talk about this a lot. I, ca- I, I have like a one-on-one with Gary, like once a year. Like we yep. meet up somewhere, I grab coffee or something, whatever. Um, and I'm gracious that he gives me that time. Um, so I never really thought anything of it. And then Andy and I were talking about it, you know, how cool that was that we actually both took the time to do that. And then we both met up again and we're like, dude, we're going to, we'll hang out later. We're going to, you know, crush it at this party, which was epic. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and then we kind of went our separate ways. And I remember walking in to the conference and there was these big, huge entrance and you kind of walked in and then the whole stadium, uh, the whole stage opened up. And I thought for myself for one second and I shit you not, Andy, I'm like, what if, what if Gary talks about, you know, my story with him? I had that thought and that's real. Um, and then I sat back about 15 rows from the stage and I was texting with you. You were like right in the front. Uh, and then Gary's doing his thing. I'm like, this is cool. I didn't think he was his best performance. I felt like he was kind of winging it a little bit. No, I agree. Right. And then like 23 minutes in, I, he starts kind of like pacing over to my side of the stage. And I saw him make eye contact with me a couple of times earlier. Cause I wasn't and that you're right back. behind me. I'm in the second row. You're probably what, like 10 rows back. I was like 15 back. Yeah. And, and, and just to paint the picture for yeah, this, there are 4,600 people here. So it is a huge, huge convention center. 
Um, so for me to be in the second row, you'd even be in the 10th row means we're pretty close to the front. He can see us from the stage. He didn't see me, but he found you <laughs> and looking through me at you. He's like, where are you, Adam? Yeah. And he finds you, and I'm like, oh my God, I just talked to Adam about this. I know who he is and what he's going to talk about. Uh, but nobody else did. So it was just a, it was an odd moment. And, and he kind of walks over and I saw him make that second eye contact. He's like, where are you, where are you, Adam? And I'm like, dude, I, I get the chills talking about that moment right now. Cause I, and I didn't know where he was going to go with it. Right. And I'm like, oh my, he's going to pull me on stage. Like, it's going to be like, like, you know, and, and for anyone who, and, and just, I'll, we'll link it back to what happened ever. But Gary basically used me as an example. He talked about why I was a top 15 firing for him. Yep. Um, not top 10, top 15, meaning 11 to right. 15. And I'm going to ask him about that too. I go, well, where am I? Am I 11 or am I 15? Um, and he told my story and he leveraged that into a discussion how important it is to be mindful of, of a human being's experience when unfortunately you have to let them go because that happens in business on the way out. So that was an incredible experience. I mean, I literally had my 15 minutes of fame. The ladies sitting behind me were like, is that you? Is he talking about you? I'm like, who else, like, who else was he talking about? Like, he literally right. was pointing at me. But the, la- the other lady took a picture with me. Yeah. Like, and then we went to this party. And I'm going to tell you what's so awesome about that. So we leveraged that opportunity at the party. And you were incredible, man. And I, I give you kudos. You literally opened up your network to me. And you introduced me to so many people. Um, yeah. And it was very serendipitous. And I think that's what the key word is. It was serendipity that you and I met before, that we mm-hmm. had the Gary Vee situation. And then, you know, we hung out at the party afterwards and you introduced me to JP Elliott, who I'm having on my show in a couple of weeks and some other yep. really cool people. Uh, and then the networking world just really, uh, really opened up there. So I really think that going back to the cost of Dallas, Texas, right? It was not a cheap event, you know, and no. I even got an early bird too. I think between my airfare and my travel and everything, I mean, we're talking, you know, $2,500 at a minimum there. Yeah, probably you know, twenty eight, something like that. Like all, more, all, I got in. In, all in, because I got in later. Airfare wasn't bad, and then uh, my hotel was actually pretty cheap. Yeah, it's a cheap town. Um, but the ROI on that experience and the people that I met—I mean, these events are about networking. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I'm not going to give away my list here of some of the high caliber folks that I met along with yourself, but like that twenty five hundred dollar investment. Yeah. It's going to pay a hundredfold over the next few years. Well, you got that video of, of uh, you know, Gary talking about you. We both got pictures with him. I mean, how do you quantify that? What is that worth? It's exposure, right? It's brand marketing. And, and, and you can't always monetize it unless you can make a direct correlation between somebody who saw that video and now they're a client of mine, which yep. will probably happen there. Um, so let's rip up a little bit. Like we talked about yep. Dallas. You talked about us meeting. Andy Storch, tell us who you are and what you do best, man. Well, thank you, Adam. Uh, you know, I, am, I do a lot of things you mentioned earlier. Um, first, you know, the, the biggest thing in the business world is I am a talent development consultant, uh, coach, connector, facilitator, speaker, uh, all those things. I really specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning and development solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. Uh, I run a lot of workshops on leadership development, business acumen, innovation, sales training, things like that. Um, but I also do a lot of things in the personal development world. And as you mentioned, I host two podcasts, the talent development hot seat, which is more about right. corporate talent development and serves my business. And then I have the Andy Stewart show, which is more of my hobby, personal development, things like that. Um, sometimes there's overlap. Sometimes they're different. And then I'm also hosting a conference uh, in January called the talent development think tank with my good friend, Bennett Phillips. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. The talent development world. And I'm actually planning another conference for entrepreneurs for uh, later in 2020, September 2020, but that's not, uh, that's not official yet. 
I know I'm waiting, waiting for my, my guest speaker invite on, on, on those when I'd love to come out to Sonoma. Right, right, Sandy, right. Tell and it, then as you mentioned, of course, you know, the personal side of things, since I know we'd like to get personal here too. I am yeah. two kids. I live in Orlando, Florida, um, but I'm on planes and all over the place. This guy's all over the place. So let's talk about your background a little bit. You know, how did you venture into the world of, of talent development? And let's just be very clear here. You're not a recruiter. No. So no, talent development, let's, is, talk, let's talk a little bit. Let's unpack that a little bit. I think uh, adding some context into your journey um, from where you really started, and we're not talking about when mom and pops met, but like, let's talk yeah. about, you know, the last few years about your journey. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a, it's a meandering journey as many people's uh, careers are, and it, you never know where you're going to end up. I, uh, after college, I went out to California and I got in, I worked for a couple startups, started a couple companies, nothing really worked out. Uh, all failed. I got into corporate world working in insurance. And then I got my MBA at uh, USC Marshall School of Business, made some great connections there. That's when I really got big into networking, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, I read this book called Never Eat Alone by mm -hmm. Keith Ferrazzi. And I, I, just, it. I basically just, that was 2005, basically put the whole thing into practice. And by the third year, I was president of the MBA program, 700 people. And like nobody even wanted to run against me because I knew everybody. I just <laughs> put all those things into practice. I mean, networking so important. Um, I ended up getting into consulting. I got a great job with this uh, Swedish company called BTS yeah. that is known for uh, business simulation, strategy execution. And a lot of times the clients were uh, learning and development, talent development type people at big companies. So uh, I worked there seven years. And then about two years ago, uh, three years ago, I really got into personal development and I started filling this pull back into entrepreneurship and wanted to do things more on my own. And so about two years ago, a little bit more, uh, I left that company to go out as an independent consultant with a, with a sister company called Advantage Performance Group. So I'm affiliated with them, but I'm a you know, 1099 independent right. consultant running my own business. Um, no boss, you know, kind of get to do all kinds of crazy marketing stuff that I want to, like starting the podcast, like posting every day on LinkedIn and Instagram and, and all that stuff that we do. And just found that I love that and I have so much to share with people. Um, so I'm, you know, building the business now around talent development. And for, you know, for me, what that means is, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of people invest in developing themselves, personal development, but companies usually have departments uh, or people that are trying to figure out, okay, how do we develop our people? How do we give them right. the management skills they need, the business skills they need to be successful at their job? Could even be sales skills. Um, some people call it training, uh, training and development, learning and development, uh, whatever you may call. So that's the, that's the side of business I'm in. Those people in those companies, I think they often sit near the talent acquisition recruiting people, but it's completely different. Right. You know, they're often under the HR umbrella. But I do find it's interesting that when I talk to people outside of the corporate world, my, you know, friends that I make who are just on, you know, entrepreneurs, small business, stuff like that, they hear it and they go instantly to recruiting. They're like, oh, so you're in recruiting? No. I'm like, Big no, difference. I do nothing with recruiting. I know I don't know anything about recruiting. That's call Adam. That's his job. <laughs> and and I appreciate that too. What do you what do you love about talent talent development, talent branding? I love that, you know, I think people, I, I personally place a big value on growth. I need to be growing, learning, um, improving all the time. And not everybody feels that way, but I know people uh, need to find a way to get better uh, at their job, that companies need to develop their people if they want to improve, if they want to avoid being disrupted. And uh, I love being able to help companies and people with that. I love uh, facilitating workshops and seeing, you know, the light bulbs go off. Uh, helping people become better managers, uh, understand a business better, understand strategy better. Uh, and I like to think that 
you know, I'm helping those companies achieve better results and, and maybe even making the world a, a better place in, in some ways as well. But it, it's really about helping people. So let's peel back the curtain on you on, on some of the development work that you do. Um, what makes the, the workshops and the strategy and approach that you bring to the table different and stand out and most effective? Well, there's a couple of things that, uh, you know, make working with me different. One is that I'm independent, like I said, so I don't bring a bias towards, you know, one. Right. You don't have an agenda. Either. You're not like packaging an agenda. No agendas, no, no quotas, anything like that. And I have a lot of partnerships with a lot of different solution providers. So I recommend a lot of different things based on what clients need. Um, the second thing is that everything we do is highly experiential. So I believe strongly in the power of experience and practice and discovery-based learning. And uh, I think a lot of your listeners, no matter what kind of business they're in, can probably relate to the idea that uh, death by PowerPoint rarely works for Ugh. learning. And yet that's still what most companies do. Right. They're throwing slides up on the wall. Like, yeah, the 50 slides, uh, a guy, you know, someone who's not a very experienced speaker or facilitator, and here's the strategy and go do it. And you're like, I don't get this. And then you go back to your desk and then you just go back to whatever you're doing before. Right. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't sink in. It doesn't, it's not effective. Yeah. I mean, people will tolerate what they hear from leaders, but they'll, they'll act on things they discover for themselves. And so we let them discover that. And the other thing about that too, that, that I talk about a lot is when you think about the military and you think about sports, they do a lot of practice, practice, mm -hmm. practice, practice before they get in the real game. And in business, nobody practices anything. You just go, right? And you it's make mistakes where, where we're in a high stakes world. So when I run business simulations, things like that, it gives people a, an opportunity to practice in a safe space. Um, and then the last thing that I think um, makes what I do different from maybe some other people out there, especially in like the leadership development world, is that I've got that knowledge of both business and leadership. And so many, um, you know, providers of leadership development training out there, they're so, they're very knowledgeable about leadership and organizational development more so than me, but they don't really get the business side of things. And sometimes that uh, can either be a turnoff or, you know, a lot of business leaders don't want to listen to it because they're like, well, you don't really get the importance of the finances and things like that. And, and I do. So I think that stands out for a lot of people. And who are some of the folks that inspire you in the specific uh, leadership thought leadership and coaching on the strategy? Hmm. Like where, where, like your mentors, I mean, it's not, maybe may be a household name, but who, who really showed you the ropes and, and, and taught Andy how to pay it forward and, and teach? Well, I mean, I've had a lot of mentors along the way, but these are, you know, these are like colleagues, not well-known people, but mm -hmm. uh, going back to the company I worked for before, uh, a woman named Jessica Parisi, who's now the president of BTS USA. She is the, the best leader I've ever worked for, a true multiplier. Uh, really tough on culture and uh, so knowledgeable about uh, business and leadership and transformations. Um, I learned a lot from her. Um, and then uh, my partner now uh, on some things, Bennett Phillips, who's uh, you know doing this conference with me, he's really mentored me as I come into this business about you know this business of talent development, what people care about. Um, and then you know I've had a lot of mentors in that business, in podcasting, um, because I got to tell you, I have, uh, you know, going back to when I went on my own, I already had a podcast and I decided to start this second podcast on talent development, really to kind of get meetings with, um, this so as, a, as, a, as a biz dev tool, yeah, biz dev, build my network, mm -hmm. learn more about what's going on. But, you know, fast forward, I've done well over a hundred interviews now with, uh, talent development practitioners and, uh, people like JP Elliott, who's been on my show, uh, almost a year ago, I think. And I've learned so much from them mm -hmm. that, and I put that content out there 
that, you know, you wake up one day, it's like, how do you become an expert? Either like do something for 30 years or you study it. And I wake up one day and I know a lot about what these people are, are dealing with and about, um, you know, the practice of talent development. And so a lot of people look to me now because of that. Well, you hit an interesting point too about the podcasting too. I mean, I, I use my podcast as my canvas and I'm, and I'm talking to a lot of people who are in my universe, right? Who are experts. Yeah. I mean, I've only been doing talent acquisition and recruiting for five years, which in the yeah. grand scheme of things isn't a lot. I mean, yes, it's an yeah. accelerated rate and I'm bringing in, you know, my 15 years of marketing and business experience into that. So I don't want to yep. discount, you know, and I, do, I also want to take the word just that I have been doing for five years at an, an incredible rate. At an but intense the, level with and, some great clients. Right? But you bring that marketing experience, which my outside perspective of recruiting and talent acquisition is that marketing is a huge part of it. And so and that's it's what's all missing. relevant. It, and that's what's missing, employer branding and recruiting. But the, the, the right. point I want to wrap that point up, I'm, I'm having guests on that are such high level experts that I'm using this platform as an opportunity for me to learn from them. Totally. Right. So it really is like uh, I'm, I'm building my own you know, general assembly class with this podcast. Yeah. Right, like I, I'm sourcing people, and, and I and I got some great guests coming up who we get super tactical. Those, yeah, and it gets you meetings with those people that you wouldn't otherwise get. You know, you'd ask them for time, they'd be like, eh, I don't know. But you're like, can I can I ask you questions and publish it? And they're like, cool, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, and then you build that relationship, and then you email them, and then before, it is really it's so interesting. We talk about this too with podcasting. It really is like an incredible biz dev tool. Right. Like, I mean, just saying hypothetically, JP Elliott's coming on the show, Dick Sporting Goods. I mean, that would yep. be a great potential client. I'm just saying hypothetically, mm -hmm. JP, um, <laughs> you know, some other people as well, too. Uh, so shifting gears a little bit, LinkedIn. Let's talk about LinkedIn for a little bit. Yeah. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve right now with the platform? <laughs> I didn't know that's where you're going to go. There. You're going to say, like, how do you? No, no. We get, you, what do you dude, love dude, about I, LinkedIn? I, I, th I throw knuckleballs and curveballs all let's, day, Eddie. Let's sing I'm, LinkedIn's I'm, praises. I'm a, I'm a five-pitch I'm a, I'm a five pitcher. I got five pitches, man. Let's go with the pitcher. By the way, that, that LinkedIn Talent Connect conference we went to was like a three-day commercial for LinkedIn. We all paid over $2,000 a pop. Wait, yeah. Let's pause on that for a second. LinkedIn Credit basically paid us to go to a yeah. LinkedIn propaganda we conference. We paid, we paid them, them to let them. Everybody said to me, they're like, why is it free? Like, why the hell are they charging you? Yeah, but people pay. It's big, you know, the speakers are the big draw and then, right, and the, everything. the food was good. So getting so, back to like, um, what's, what's bothering you? First of all, how long have you been on the, let's, let's, let's put a little context here. How long have you been on the platform and active for? Yeah, so, I mean, I've been on the platform probably for, I don't know, 15 years or whatever, right. however long it's been around, right? Um, I have, or maybe more, 20. Yeah, but as far I think as we're like- 2003, 2004. I was on 2006. Okay. So uh, posting content regularly, I mean, I've been using it as kind of a biz dev tool for the last eight years as a consultant, uh, you know, interacting with people, messaging people, trying to get meetings, things like that. Uh, but as far as like posting content and, and be, you know, creating content on there, it's been about two years since I went out on my own, uh, really ramped it up over the last year, getting into a lot of video and things like that. Um, my biggest pet peeve is that it's just the UX of, of posting content. It's just oftentimes I find that it you know, won't let me tag somebody uh, or it just kind of like, it, it won't let me post something or the videos come out looking wonky. Uh, and I just think a little bit of that is still, you know, a work in progress. Uh, I find the, the biggest thing is like, I'll write a post somewhere on my computer and then try to paste it in because I don't want to write it in LinkedIn because I might lose it or whatever. Yeah, I do that too. Uh, but I find when I paste it that I can't tag people. I don't know why. You have to, you have to go back and some of the UX is a little bit, a little bit yeah. wonky, a little it's bit weird. wonky. And, and it's, and I think part of the reason we, we get so frustrated with that is because Facebook nails it so well. Facebook. It auto, so easy. 
or the you audio, know? the audio general. I, I do that a lot too, man. Like I'll, I'll go back also, I'll, I'll edit a post and it'll remove the tag. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. like, bro, I'm like, Jeff, Hefe, El Hefe. Yeah. El Hefe, come on, fix, 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 fix the glitch here. Uh, yeah. I mean, for, for me, one of the biggest pet peeves is around, there's a couple things here. I, I think that everybody, listen, LinkedIn is technically a B2B platform and it's yeah. meant to be selling, but I think people really need to understand the approach um, to build relationships first and they're missing the relevancy of it. I can't fault mm. people for trying to sell stuff. I cannot fault. Right. People yep. need to make money. We're people have a sales. job, right? We're in yeah. sales. That's what we do. But it's about taking the time and, and being relevant. I cannot even tell you the sheer amount of inbound messages and mail that I get yeah. that are just completely off, off, off topic. Yeah. And they're going for a hard sell. And I sit there and I get these, con these connection requests. And I'm so hesitant to hit the accept button because I know the second that I do, I'm going to get a, a five, six yeah. paragraph uh, note on that. So what I started to do, yeah. if I kind of smell something's a little bit off or I'm mm -hmm. curious why this person wants to connect with me, before I connect, I'll reply to them and say, hey, thanks for reaching out. Just curious, where do you see potential synergy? I want to yeah. see that they're actually putting in the effort. Now, there's some people that are just like, hey, dude, love your podcast, saw your interview, saw you were commenting, yeah. would love to be connected. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. There's, there's different schools of thought to there. Um, what kind of advice would you give people the best way to, to really connect and make meaningful relationships on LinkedIn? Oh, the same thing you would talk about, I, you know, and I've tried it all. I am big on meaningful relationships, but I've done automated stuff and reaching out to people. I never go in for a hard sell, but you know, Hey, uh, try to get a meeting or something with prospects going in cold. It doesn't, it doesn't work that well. I find leading with the podcast uh, can be better if I'm going after, yeah. you know, those high level HR talent development type people. Um, but you know, yeah, really like starting conversations, um, leading with, you know, real, real conversation, being curious, asking questions, um, posting a lot of content has been helpful because, you know, and, and having the podcast because sometimes I connect with people and they're like, oh, like yesterday, someone's like, oh, it's so honored you connected me. I listened to your podcast. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Right. Uh, and just being like real and authentic and humble, uh, I think is a great way too. And also, I mean, for me, I think it's just know who you're connecting with and like check out their profile and see what they do. I'm not that bothered by the cold sales pitch because I'll either just deleted or I might even un disconnect from them. I do that sometimes too. Uh, where I get frustrated is if it actually has nothing to do with me. Completely right? like, irrelevant. We want to sell you this software, automation software for IT services. I'm like, I'm not an IT. Did you check my profile? I don't even, you know, what are you How talking about? about? I, get, I get recruiters reaching out to me to recruit me for jobs. that are. <laughs> it's one thing if you want to try to recruit me for a recruiter job, that makes sense. Yeah. Even yeah. to the extent when some people try to recruit me for jobs they see in my profile from before I was recruiting, because I get it, if you're doing keyword searches, that comes up and I give them an education, right? Like, hey, just spend yeah. a minute to look at my current job and see what I'm doing. But when I get recruited for roles that are completely irrelevant, yeah. I take that recruiter to town. I go, you know what? You're the reason that recruiters get a bad rap. You're the re and, I, and I'm not trying to like put them on blast publicly. I do it on, in a message to them directly. I'm like, please take that extra 30 seconds. because That's all it really right. takes. If you yeah. clicked on my profile, you looked at my most recent job, you see that I'm a recruiter, you see that I own my own recruiting firm in right. digital marketing. You can also see that I have not spent a day working in marketing, uh, pro you know, proper marketing in, in five and a half years. So right. do, do a little bit um, you know, of that legwork. So you, you mentioned a, a very key buzzword, and I usually save this question uh, for the end of my show, but what does that word authenticity mean to you, Andy? You know, it's, it's ever evolving. And I read a book recently that actually changed my mind about it a little bit. Um, but I think in general, the important thing for me is, you know, of course, it's about being yourself. Um, you know, 
people say, don't hold anything back, be your true self. Obviously you're going to be a little bit different in different types of situations. Right. There's don't certain things that you keep this. private. Yeah. I'm going to be different with clients than I am on this, in this podcast with you than I am with my family. Right. But it's not, it's, it's just not trying to be somebody else, not pretending to be someone else unless, and this is where I shifted my mindset a little bit. I read the book, uh, the alter ego effect by Todd Herman, uh, which uh, is all about, uh, he's, he's a, a coach for 30 years for athletes and, and entrepreneurs and business owners and stuff, um, helping them really develop what he calls an alter ego, the person that you want to be that, you know, maybe you're not acting like today. And so this is where it kind of comes in where like, maybe you need to kind of pretend that you are the person that you want to be, but that person is really still you. So I think it's just not being someone that you're not, unless it's someone that you're growing into. I completely agree with that too. And, I, and, and it's interesting. I think about that. I think that there's times and moments where it's like, where I'm acting like my potential. I'm acting to where yeah. Adam next phase is going to. And I love it. Like it kind of lights me up. And yeah. that comes out when those moments when I'm with Gary Vee, those moments when I'm interviewing top guests, when I'm, you know, in business meetings um, and I'm really bringing my best self to the table. Yeah. You right? know what? It, I think the other thing too there, and I'm sorry to interrupt you on please. that, what you made me think of is that it's really about being the way you want to be without worrying so much about judgment. And, you know, Gary would talk about this too, right? It's like, judge judges. it's like me seeing you somewhere and just going right in for the hug and not being like, Oh, well, what if he's offended that? Well, I mean, and you gotta be careful with some things like this. Some people don't like to be touched, right? You got to kind of feel that out. Right. But you know what I mean? Like say, I, I just compliment people all the time to say how I'm feeling. And as I've leaned into that over the last year or so, and it just feels so good to just be me and not worry about it. I, I, think, I think a lot of people overthink things too, and they, they struggle with perception and what other people think. And that comes with a balance of knowing yourself and that self-awareness yeah. um, and having an understanding how other people view you and how you view yourself. And we could go down a rabbit hole on that, but let's, let's pause on that. Um, for a little bit here. So we talked about conferences. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, I know I'm switching gears here, but I want to talk about yeah. the conference that you're, you're throwing in January. When was that originally scheduled for? Let's talk a little bit about what happened there. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing is, is interesting. You know, you go to conferences and events and, and I don't know if you thought about doing your own, but I, somewhere along the way, my friend Bennett and I just said, you know, we, we go to a lot of conferences, some in the, many in the HR space and they're so boring. And you know, death, going back to that death by PowerPoint, it's, it's un, uh, what is it? Inexperienced speakers, you know, people who have some things to say, but they're not very good. They use PowerPoint slides. It's boring. The setup's not interactive. They're not leveraging the experience in the room. There's so many great knowledgeable people there that are not getting to contribute. And we just said, we can do something different. We can do something better. We've got a decent network. I wonder if we put a conference on, if we could get people to come. And uh, so that was back in probably February of, of this year, 2019. And uh, we started putting things together. We decided to call it the Talent Development Think Tank. We, we deliberated locations. We, we decided to put it in uh, Sonoma, California. Not uh, a bad place. Because we booked uh, two big name speakers in the space, Josh Burson, who I mentioned earlier, hey. and Liz Weissman, who wrote the book, Multipliers, who's also a really big name in the kind of leadership development space. And they're both in the Bay Area. And Bennett and I both used to live in San Francisco. So we got a network there. So Made sense. Back there. But let's get it out of the city so people don't go back to work, you know, at the end of the day, two-day <laughs> two event, right? So we picked Sonoma. We got the venue. Um, we started marketing this thing, sending it out to everybody we know. I was posting about it on LinkedIn. Uh, we probably went about two or three months with nothing but crickets. Like just, uh, you know, a lot of people that just said they couldn't make it. And we are just 
we're we're not freaking out. You know, we both decided you're that, panicking a little bit. Right. We both decided like we're gonna do this and we don't care if we fail, but we are definitely starting to get really worried. because uh, we're on the hook for a few thousand dollars, at least with the hotel and everything. Um, and then around May, ticket sales started to trickle in a little bit, got some from my podcast, uh, which was an amazing moment, by the way, as a podcaster when uh, two, I was just sitting there at another conference and I looked at my phone and two people from uh, a big company, Alcoa, uh, paid full price for a ticket, $1,500 a ticket that they, like, they heard on the podcast. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, so it started to grow. And then we really, uh, it, was, it was scheduled for early November. And we started, we, we had like a cutoff in August for uh, a, a price point and we sold a bunch of tickets. I couldn't believe it. Um, and then we finally got to a point in, um, in October where we had to market us sold out. We had 130 people. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, Good we for ran you. out of space. The funny thing is, you know, originally I wanted to try to sell more uh, and they had more space, but we were terrified that, you know, we would be on the hook for all this space. And so we just reserved one ballroom instead of two. And by the time we realized, oh my God, we could sell more than 130 tickets. Uh, the hotel had already booked the other ballroom. So it was like, all right, good problem to have. We're sold out. But anyway, as you, as you alluded to, Sonoma, California, anybody following the news may remember that there were a ton of wildfires up that way. The Kincaid wildfire was raging through Sonoma. And our web person emailed me one day and said, should we worry about this fire? And I was like, nah, it's not going to come into town. You know, we're in Santa Rosa. And uh, sure enough, Sunday, about a week before, eight days before, uh, my partner Bennett called me and he was like, dude, the, the fire's coming into town. I think we, they're in the evacuation zone. I think we need to postpone this conference. And I, I couldn't believe it, but it's the hotel was evacuated. Uh, so if you called them, there was nobody even there. And, you know, we didn't know if they'd be able to open back up in a week, in a week, but we couldn't in good conscience, you know, have a bunch of people fly into a fire, no, <laughs> into a fire a, zone. That's bad business, man. Yeah. So we, so we postponed the conference. It was, it was sad to have to do that. Um, but, uh, it took a few weeks. We were able to work with the hotel, with the speakers and find a new, uh, time that worked. So we're doing it January 22nd and 23rd back at the same hotel in Santa Rosa, California. Great amazingly with four, four keynote speakers who all travel and, and speak around the world. I mean, that guy, Josh Burson, I mentioned, he is always somewhere. And I would like, I would to, one of my marketing guerrilla marketing tactics was, is, is it still to go into his posts on LinkedIn and go message all the people that like his posts? That's and, not, that's a good, that's, I mean, literally, yeah. I mean, I talk to people all the time. That's a great tactic, right? Like oh, a fan yeah. of your fan should be fans. Yeah. Every time he posts, he gets like a thousand, you know, reactions. So you just go in and, and people will be like, oh, yeah, I saw him in Paris. I saw him in Dubai last year. Or I saw him in Singapore. I'm like, this guy is everywhere. So anyway, to get him is awesome. And I just interviewed him this week for my podcast, finally, by the way. That's going to cool. be next week. Uh, it was a great interview. Um, so we had about, I, I think, 20 people that said, I can't, we can't make the new dates. We, we want a refund. Some of those took a credit. Some people actually Fair changed enough. their plans. Um, so it's not sold out anymore. We were able to open up new space with the January dates. Cool. and. We are, tickets are available now. TalentDevelopmentThinkTank.com. Yeah, tell a little quick one sentence. Uh, what's this about? What is someone going to get? Uh, let, me, let, let me rephrase that for a second. If someone attends this conference, what, are they, what should they think about getting? What are they going to get out of it? Why is it worth their time and money? You know, they're going to get uh, certainly a lot of knowledge. Uh, the, the big thing is we will be talking about the latest trends in HR and talent development. Uh, we're going to be defining the future of talent development because we're going to be using de design thinking after we hear from Josh mm -hmm. about the trends. 
Um, we are going to be, you know, you're going to be interacting, you know, learn a lot about a lot of things that are going on out there. For me though, I still think the most important thing is a network. You and I are big on network. We know all of our jobs, business opportunities, everything comes from the network. So many people in talent development tell me, I wish I had someone, you know, I wish I knew what other companies were doing because we just were in this back. Like sharing information. Yeah, so you're going to get that, that, that network. You're going to hear best practices. You're going to get a chance to talk to people about your real challenges. Um, and you're going to learn from some of the experts in the space. And I think people are going to walk away with, you know, a clear um, direction and return on an investment. It's really interesting talking about the, the ROI of conferences, right? Because a lot of times yeah. it's just a boondoggle, right? Like it's, yep. it's seen as a boondoggle and companies, you know, they're cracking down on budgets. So you really have to show that true ROI and really make it, um, you know, compelling for them. So what's, uh, what's, let's talk about 2020, man. What is on deck? You have your two conferences coming up. What about Andy Storch himself? What do you, what do you got going on as far as pushing, pushing the throttle, pushing the needle ahead? Yeah, there's a lot, uh, you know, so we're starting off with a bang with the talent development think tank in January. Uh, as I mentioned, I am, uh, talking with my friend Vincent Puglese about planning an event for entrepreneurs in September. Uh, it's going to be called Don't Call It a Conference because we are going to change the game on conferences. The anti-conference um, conference. Building the business as well, you know, as usual. Uh, we got a lot of opportunities in the pipeline. I'm working on uh, the podcast. We'll keep those going. And uh, I've got a book on my mind that I'm thinking about uh, trying to write in 2020 as well. Interesting. Uh, and I want to really move in, shift into this space of career development and helping people really take ownership of their career. And part of that will be networking. Part of that is building a personal professional brand. And I don't think there are many people speaking to that in the corporate space right now. So I think there's a lot of opportunities. That's interesting too. And, I, and, I, and I've been thinking about that myself too, that I'm getting booked on a couple more speaking gigs and I can only yeah. tell my story so much, but I really think I could tell the power of networking and how, you know, for me, I, I say it, I didn't coin it, but my network is my net worth and I built it and nurtured it over the years. And I leveraged, so, I mean, look what we're doing right here. Yeah. Look what happened at LinkedIn, like, real networking and like the follow-up and the sheer amount of work and effort that goes into developing a real network. It's not just having 30,000 connections on LinkedIn. Right. It's not, it's not a race. It's not a game. It's actually interesting because I'm about to hit that 10,000 threshold and I yeah. see all these people coming in. They've been on the platform for about a year and they're hitting that 30,000 because it literally, it's a race for them to add that many as a badge of honor, but it's really right. not about that. It's right. about breaking it down and having those meaningful connections. So what I'm kind of planning to do is uh, reverse engineer and break down my 10,000 connections and show how long I've known people for, show them that the percentage that are actually in my industry or yeah. within my realm of industry to show people that's how you really build a network. How, how are you going to do that? Uh, when you have LinkedIn Recruiter, which is a recruiting pro, you could do a reverse demographic and break it down by a lot of filters on it. Interesting. Uh, we might have to do a separate, uh, separate I, just, I just passed 10,000 as well, and I'm, I'm very curious about that. But I've also been, you know, to your point, uh, it, it's like quite that badge of honor, you know, getting into five figures feels pretty cool, but I've been intentional about who I connect with and, you know, especially focusing on those HR talent development people, because that's where I'm trying to build the brand. Right. I mean, think about it too. You think, you know, when Gary Vaynerchuk got up to 30,000 or these other people, they wouldn't realize like shit, you know, maybe I would have not been a little bit more selective about who I connect with. Yeah. Right? And I've been I, thinking about that with Facebook too, because I try to connect with people I, I mostly know. And I probably have, I don't know, 2000 or something friends or whatever. And I think the limit's five. And I've been thinking about that more late because I can, I meet people now and they're maxed and I'm like, can we be friends? And they're like, well, I have to remove somebody. I can't do it. 
I don't want to be in that situation. So I'm going to try to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty attentional with my connections too. And, and I'm not saying just because if I, if someone sends me a request and they have zero people in common, that's not my sole reason for not connecting with them. Right. I try to see the relevance or if they send me that personal message and they're really telling me why. So I digress here. So let's bring it home here. Um, Andy, you know, couple of questions that I ask every guest to get perspective. What is the single best piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on daily? And he's thinking everybody, we didn't go blank here. We're still here. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, best piece of advice I received that I take action on daily. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I want to say something about networking, of course, you know, and I don't know where that, I don't really know where that started, but I mentioned, you know, reading the book by Keith Ferrazzi was a big one, but even before that I had gotten into networking and I was president of my fraternity in college, which is a big turnaround. My parents were shocked because I was so shy as a child. Um, so somewhere along the way, I must've gotten some good advice on that. And of course you hear about the, the five people you spend the most time with, but you know, Jim Rohn, and of course your network is, is your network, like you said, um, I take those things to heart. I'm very big on building the network. I'm always trying mm -hmm. to do that. Um, I'm very big on health and fitness. And I don't know, I don't know if anyone gave me like definite advice on that. You know, my, my parents both were, you know, for the most, my pretty much into health and fitness. And I think they inspired me. Um, but I take action pretty daily on those things. Awesome. Um, no, that, that counts, then, man. Yeah. And then I think, I don't know, just overall, uh, this was not, maybe this wasn't like a piece of advice, but it was a book three years ago when I read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod that had made a big impact on me and kind of changed my life. And I've been practicing that, you know, I've been practicing meditation every single day since then, um, you know, getting big, bigger into reading and journaling and just doing all the things I've been doing. And that just changed my life. Yeah, no, that, that, that's awesome. Now, I know I kind of took this podcast and kind of took it over a little bit, and I want to share yeah. this back with your audience. So any, yeah. any questions you have for me, anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I've been thinking about that. I was like, how are we going to, are we going to flip this back around? Yeah, it's fine. Just keep, just, just keep it going. Let's keep it rolling. Okay, cool. Well, let's, let's take it back um, because you have an interesting story. Uh, you know, going back to working at Vayner and then getting to where you are now, uh, you know, me being, I was never in marketing. But I'm a huge, huge fan of Gary Vee. And so I know for anybody in marketing that also might be a fan, especially younger, it's like the holy grail to get a job there. So how did that come about that you're even able to get that job at VaynerMedia? Yes. Like when you got it. That's a good one. So we'll, we'll take it back to um, 2014, early 2014. I was working in an agency um, that I really didn't love what I was doing. And I started to hear, I was working in digital and social media. I was an account guy. I was a strategy guy. Before I went to recruiting, I worked at SiriusXM. I worked at, at American Express. So I have a, a pretty solid pedigree from a, a marketing perspective. I did it for 15 years. And Gary Vee was starting to come on my radar. Gary Vee was not a household name at the time. Um, and I had a buddy who, uh, early in Gary Vee's days, was connected with him. They shared some office space. Um, and I got introduced. And it wasn't just a freebie. I mean, I got introduced and I went through the whole gauntlet there of the interview process. And the first time around, they wanted to make me uh, an offer, but they didn't have any, any opportunities open. So we paused the conversation at that point. I ended up taking another job at a different agency. And then literally it was like six months later, I, I get a call from, from Trouty over at Vayner and he's like, hey, you still interested? And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Um, yeah. And literally it was a couple of conversations. We went out for lunch again. Um, and 
they made me the offer and it was so funny. They made me the offer. I remember um, we just bought our new house and we were doing construction on it and I was sitting on the steps. We haven't yet moved in and I'm sitting on the steps and I took that call in front of my new house and I'm like, this is my future. This is everything. It's everything yeah, I wanted. I have everything it. in place. Um, and then, you know, you know how that story ends though. So it's, it was a real, you know, roller coaster for me, but I earned it, man. I worked hard and I was good at what I did. And, and unfortunately, you know, my, my fail at Boehner was, it was my own doing. Um, I didn't respond well to feedback when things were not going in the right direction. I let some external factors in my life really put a block on me course correcting. Hmm. And, you know, it was, it was tough, man, but everything happens for a reason. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think it's really important. You know, Gary Vee talks about owning your L's and it's, we've all had failures and mistakes. My in our Jesus, life. Man. If I could, I don't want to harp on it, Please. but I could pull out the lesson is that, um, you, you certainly had a lot of strengths and you were doing well, but there were some things that weren't going that well and you got feedback, but you weren't really listening to it or you weren't ready to listen to it. You weren't really taking action on that. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of self-fulfilling prophecies happening. Um, I think there was also a lot of politics happening and it really wasn't, it was just a cauldron of crap, right? It really wasn't the best situation for me to recover. Um, and I didn't help myself with it. I really did not do anything to fix it. I was getting some good advice. I was trying to course correct. At the same time, also Vayner was in its infancy, right? There's only a couple hundred people at the time. So I didn't think that they had a fully, you know, robust, uh, you know, program there. Yes, Claude was coaching with me and we'll talk about that as I was, well. Yeah, I was going to ask you if Claude um, was there and if she was looking Yeah, she was looking after me, but I think it was a little bit past the point by the time it got to her. And it's interesting. I'm, I'm interviewing her on Wednesday and we're going to talk about that a little bit too. I think maybe if there was an earlier intervention. Um, but ultimately, you know, I take full responsibility. Like ultimately, you know, yeah. I'm responsible for my success and my failure. Um, and it was that eye-opening opportunity for me to make a change in my life and really focus on what I'm good at is what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Which, so how did you make that pivot? What did that look like? Well, it's interesting, you know, when Gary was sitting there and we talked about all the time, you know, when he said double down on your strengths and stop focusing on your weaknesses, that's exactly what I did. I stopped trying to fix the things I wasn't good mm -hmm. at. And maybe some of that was that true digital marketing strategy. Maybe it was some of my, at that time, people management relationship skills. And I focused on myself and I said, you know what, my key strengths are relationships this way, building and nurturing you know, meaningful relationships, understanding the market, understanding people and understanding mindset. And all those things pointed to recruiting. The other piece too was about recruiting was it was unlimited financial opportunity. It wasn't like you're just set at this year, I'm making 145,000. Next year, I'm getting a 3% raise. I'm at 146, 158,000, whatever it is. I saw it as an opportunity where I moved to the burbs and I needed to have more income. And I couldn't just wait every three or four years to make these incremental jumps. And it kind of all came together. And I knew the market, I knew the players, and I and I been through enough interview processes and worked with enough recruiters where I had a very good sense of what the job was before I stepped foot in it. What was your just going out on your own is scary, right? What was your biggest fear at the time and how did you get over that? Yeah. So just to give a little bit more context here, you know, I spent, you know, three years working at search firms before I decided to go out on my own. And mm -hmm. the biggest fear was failure. And that actually turned into the biggest push for me. And you know, as your own business owner, yeah. you and I, and anybody who has their own business, we are ultimately responsible for that success and failure. And for me, and I'm sure yeah. for you putting words in your mouth, but it's zero fail. Like I cannot fail. I need to continue to put okay. it on the table. It is zero fail. And I think that motivational of a zero fail and not being able to hide in a company or have a little bit of job security when you're getting that consistent paycheck is a right. real true motivator for a lot of people. Now, 
that doesn't work for everybody. Right. Some people really need to have that structured environment, but if you could handle being responsible for lighting your own fire and keeping that fire going, man, yeah, go out on your own, man. Do it. Can I? I agree with you 100%, and I love it. And I have because I've been I've spent so much time on building the foundation, like you have with a lot of branding and marketing stuff. Um, I probably missed out on some sales opportunities. Building a conference probably missed out on some sales opportunities. So my my finances are not where I want them to be. We'll get there. Uh, but I will never go back to work for somebody else if I can help it. I don't think I could. Because yeah, I, I unless I it was it. An, unless it was an opportunity, right? Like yeah. would I would I go back to work for Vayner full time? No, would I would go back for anybody full time. It would have to be such an incredible, like. I'd yeah. be an idiot to Something say that. Something no. really yeah. cool and you have control over what you're doing and you make a big impact, that sort of thing. You also reminded me, as we're kind of riffing, of a, a rant that I had in my head last night. You remember these rants in your head? And you're like, I'm having a rant right now in my head. Yeah. <laughs> like, why is this guy still talking? Um, but I think you, you'll totally agree because you mentioned, you know, some people skate by in companies. And I'm like, so many companies I come across, they're like, sorry, we don't have a budget or we don't hire outside you know, consultants to come run training film. We have an internal team that does it. And, and I'm like, yeah, you don't want to pay me $30,000 to come run a couple of workshops, but you're paying somebody else $60,000 to sit around and Reject work half shit. the time and cruise Facebook the rest of the time. Whereas I'm going to bust my ass, get this thing done efficiently and then move on to the next one. Right. I'm going to feed my family over here. Oh my God. The people that skate by are killing me, man. Uh, but you know, it's all right. I've been those people. But I had a corporate job that I hated, and I skated by all day long. I had a couple of those. I, I've, I've done it. I've done it plenty, man. Um, so let's let's bring this home here. Any any last questions that you have for me? Well, I want to get your perspective on because you've got the podcast. You know, you're building the business. You know, as an entrepreneur, um, someone who's out there building a personal brand. We both follow Gary Vee, and he talks about content, 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 attention, all that sort of stuff. What's your perspective in general on building a personal brand? I did not coin this, but it really resonated with me. Your personal brand is your reputation. It's another name for it, right? It's your reputation. It's, it takes years and years to develop and it takes seconds to break it. And I also think there's a big misnomer out there. Just because you're creating this aura on social media and you're creating this persona of, of what people, like you want people to see and everything, you have to ensure that you're building credibility and authenticity and that the message is really true and you could back it up, right? Because a lot of people could sit here and they could repeat a lot of things that other people say, but you have to put that into practice, right? You have to give examples. You have to have social proof of that. You have to have real recommendations and real work before you could come in and say shit, right? There's a lot of people out there and I see it with this whole video splurge on LinkedIn that are creating these videos talking about things that are a little out of their realm um, or things that are not in their area of expertise and a lot of people, they may not think this, but we're, we're onto it, right? And it's not really as effective as you think it is. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, the other question related to that too is because you see all these other people doing things. How do you deal with uh, comparisonitis? Do you suffer from that at all? Where you're like, oh, look, that guy's doing that thing and he's got more followers than me. Uh, I did in the beginning and then I said, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like I, I stopped comparing myself to other people because I peel back the curtain and start to see how they were building their audience and their following. And that's not the audience I want, nor do I want my audience. You know, I don't care how big the numbers are. I mean, it really is quality over uh, quantity yeah. and other people really don't have that mindset. And if that's what you're going for, fine. Right. If you're trying to just get in, get out quickly and, and build, like it's not being true yeah. to yourself. Right. Like, like it's just bullshit. Like you're building up these huge followings, but there's, what does a following really mean? Is it an engaged community? Is it people that you yeah. want to have business relationships with? Or is it just a numbers game to you? Yeah, I don't know. That's why I so much appreciate the three people that listen to my show. It's great. 
You're right. And, and, and the podcast thing is crazy, man. I mean, listen, both of us, we'd be lying if we said we didn't want a million people listening to our show. We'd be, yeah. li- we'd be lying if we said that. And right. we'd be lying if we said we didn't look at our numbers every day. Right. Right. But, and I get frustrated too, right? Like when I see sh- like some shows tank, when I think it would be great audience, because I think like this person has a great following and the audience mm-hmm. will, will follow it. I get mistaken. My, my, my best show, my best performing show is uh, around mental health with a buddy I went to high school with, um, mm-hmm. or we were friends in high school. And because yep. it was real and it was a real story and it was meaningful and, and, and people cared about his message and he just told uh, about his incredible journey. And, and that's what I really cared about because I wanted people to really listen and, and, and learn and take away from it. What does your 2020 look like? And just to back up for a second, you've got, you're, you're running your own business, right? As a, as a recruiter. Yep. Uh, you've got a team. You also have a family, a wife and a couple of kids as well, right? You're in uh, New Jersey, I think. Long Island. Don't even Long say Island. That's Jersey, right. Man. Oh, sorry. I got you the wrong way. Long Island. When people say Jersey. Strong Island. Yeah, exactly. 2020. Um, it's interesting. I have a, a little bit of a downturn in December, which is turning out to be great right now when we're recording. So I'm, I'm working on my base camp. Right now, I'm building my base camp. I am doing stuff in my house to declutter, to get my house, physical house in order, um, yeah. which I've been meaning to do. Which can you means, come do mine too? Yeah, when, when, when that stuff is taken care of, that's a, that's a stress that you can take off of your yeah. life and focus on your business. So prioritizing that, literally cleaning the garage, cleaning the boiler room, like that shit's important, right? Yeah. Which now opens me up to my 2020 planning, right? Being laser focused. I have a brand new client that I'm, I'm excited to announce uh, in January, that's really going to be a game changer for me, for my business, my consultancy, um, still doing recruiting, but doing a lot more on TA process and building out the infrastructure, uh, within a startup organization, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I'm looking to scaling my team. I'm looking to building out the podcast. I am, I have this dream at the end of 2020 of PauseFest. Ooh, okay. Yeah. When I asked and you, I, you thought about events. You, you were yeah. Head, so. And, and the idea really is to, I've been thinking about this for years is to bring together. And I want this to come out the right way. I have a really solid network like you, man. I have yeah. some heavy hitters. Yeah. I have some people that I really think would come to the table for me uh, yeah. to put an event together. And I want it to be different. I want it to be in a cool venue. I want it to be exciting and engaging. And I yep. really want to get back and be like, these are my peeps. I want them to give to you. So that's kind of an idea I'm working with. And now I have an infrastructure of people that throw events. I have event spaces, but I'm being very calculated about that. So that's 2020. Um, and really scaling my business, man. I mean, I had a really good year. I'm up almost 30% year over year, uh, nice. which is incredible. It's closing two years of my business. I'm going to do a little bit of state of the union um, at the end. I help some people get some great jobs. I work with some great companies. Um, and I want to continue that and scale, man. That's 2020. I'm laser fucking focused. I love it. I love it. You are laser focused. You got a lot of great things going on. Um, any parting words for people listening who, I don't know about your audience, but my audience are people who absolutely want to get the most out of life and uh, just up their game and their performance. Any you know, parting advice for those people? Yeah. And, and, and it comes down to discipline and focus. I mean, we were talking about that off air, how I harness my OCD for good, but here's the biggest piece of advice. And it came for me from my, my first mentor in recruiting, a, a guy by the name of Tom Hall, who I hold on a pedestal, really taught me how to be a recruiter. Plan your work and work your plan. Plan your work and work your plan. Whatever method that is, stick to it. Come up with that plan and work it. Stay focused and stay dedicated to it. There's a lot of distractions in this world that we live in. A lot of things coming mm-hmm. at us from different sides. But put on, put on those blinders, put on those horse blinders and, and be as focused as possible. 
Um, and I'm really working on that myself. I'm trying to be more present with my family. I'm trying to be more present with my friends, I'm trying to be more mindful, a little bit of self-care there as well. And uh, just making myself the best husband, father, business owner, and friend I could be, man. I love it. That's all we can do, right? And just try to get a little bit better every day, put that plan in place, work the plan, um, try to be the and best, like, like you said, husband, father, friend, business owner, influencer, podcaster, yeah, whatever you can be. We're doing exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. We're both doing it, man. And Andy, I will wrap it up with my last question that I ask every guest. All right. not, not every day is sunshine and rainbows, right? Like some days the kids are mm -hmm. nagging, the wife is all over your business. Like you just had a freaking natural disaster firestorm <laughs> wiping out your conference and it's rough and you got to look up and you got to keep focused and everything. And then other days, yep. look, you just sold out a conference, man. You have more people knocking at your door. Business is coming. Things yep. are going well. What do you look to, Andy? What is your North Star? I, um, I would say a couple things. You know, I keep the vision in mind a lot. I know I'm building something big that I want to really change the world. And so I've got to keep moving forward. I've got to keep taking steps. I right. know the things that I need to do to get there. It kind of changes all the time, but I just can't stop. There's no there's no time to stop. There's no time to wallow. Couldn't agree no, more. I, I believe in celebration, but even that, you know, don't spend too much time celebrating because we got the next right. thing to get to. Um, and then the other thing, of course, is my family. I think I do believe strongly, you know, there's nothing more important than, than family, my wife and my kids. And I try to remind myself, as long as I have them, we're going to be fine. You know, money will come and go. Uh, but family and time, those are really the two important things you uh, can't necessarily get back. No. And so I think about those things a lot. And I thought you were going to ask me like, what do you do when things are going wrong? And, um, for that, I will mention also friends, you know, having friends, coaches, mentors, uh, and, and my, and my wife, people that I can talk to on a regular basis, uh, that always helps me and guides me. And I get so much great advice and that keeps me moving forward in the right direction too. I love it, man. And Andy, where could folks connect with you? Where could they find you? Man, I am, uh, I'm all over the place, but LinkedIn is the place, you know, if you're, if you're following Adam on LinkedIn, find me, connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Andy Storch, S-T-O-R-C-H. Uh, you can find all the info there in my profile about uh, both of my podcasts, the Talent Development Hot Seat, the Andy Storch Show, and the conference, the Talent Development Think Tank, and eventually the Entrepreneur Conference that I'll be throwing in September 2020 in Pittsburgh. Don't yes. call it a conference. Um, it's all there. So follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram. And what's my personal discount code for that conference? What is your, <laughs> we don't even have a website up yet for it. So <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there, man. Andy. It's going to uh, be awesome. called uh, pod, the, the pause, pod, what is it? The, podcast, podcast or pause fest, you know, something. Pod, pod, pause Andy, I, I, I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate our connection over the last couple of months. I think that you and I are going to continue this. I know we're going to continue this. I know 100%. we're going we're to create some synergy. Uh, we're going to meet up again when you're up in New York uh, and we'll make shit happen, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on mine. <laughs> Absolutely. And anybody listening to Andy's show, you could find me at on LinkedIn, Adam J. Poser. You could find me at thepodcast.com. It links to all the major uh, providers and you could connect with me anywhere there. I'm not so much on Twitter. I mean, I play around with Twitter, but I really yes, need to spend here. some more time on Twitter. Awesome. And everyone listening, thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Remember, the Andy Show. I was about to pause. I was, let's try it again. We and were doing well until the end and then I screwed it up. Let's try this again. And okay. everyone listening out there, thank you for joining us on the podcast. And the Andy Storch Show. Please be sure to follow both of us on all of our social media channels that will link on all of our mutual shows. And Andy, what's your closing line that you do? 
oh, I don't have a closing line. Now I feel like I'm, I feel, you know, uh, inadequate. Well, what, I, think th- I think this one really, sum- I think this sums it up for both of us. Remember folks, take your online offline. That's why Andy and I are here talking right now. Take your online offline. offline. Love it. And remember, catch us next week for other great episodes of The Andy Store Show. And the podcast. Thank you, everyone. Take care and be good to each other. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com. Dot com.